everybody. I'm Pastor AJ Hausman, and welcome to 10 Foot Pole, a podcast to dig deeper into aspects of the Bible that get glossed over or totally ignored in most preaching. The Bible has a lot of parts that are racy, uncomfortable, and sometimes downright horrifying. Let's talk about it. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 12. Today, our guest is Pastor Kirsten Wee, who is the Associate Pastor for Outreach and Campus Ministry at Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hello. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. A really fun title. Thank you. Yeah, it's a fun title. I get to work with uh, campus ministry students from all around Raleigh, North Carolina. Primarily, our students currently are at NC State, go Wolfpack, uh, Meredith College, and Wake Tech uh, Community College. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I have a soft spot for campus ministries. I also didn't really do this on purpose, but I like have back to back um, kind of campus ministry people are the previous two guests are ELCA colleges. So, you know, they're nice, not really yes. the same, but uh, no, no, those nice State. cushy jobs at church schools. <laughs> right. Yeah. Our student. Uh, yeah. I think NC State is probably a little bit bigger than the ELCA colleges, but yeah. They're all awesome. Well, I so I just wanted, I guess, to say uh, for listeners that may not know the difference, right? So there's, so there are ELCA colleges, so there are Lutheran schools, and they have as a part of like the staff of the school is a campus pastor person, and then there's campus ministries, which are independent ministries that are affiliated with public uh, or other non ELCA private schools. Um, so like I, once upon a time was at the Lutheran student center at the university of Northern Iowa. So it's, it's a public school. We're just an affiliate ministry. Um, and they function totally differently than the ELCA college campus ministry situations, um, all the way up through like the different departments that they're like responsible that are responsible for them in the ELCA. It's, it's kind of weird just how kind of different that they're all treated, but anyways, for people and, who do close to the same thing. Oh yeah, we all work with students. Um, oftentimes there are campus ministries that are like the Lutheran Episcopal campus ministry. So yes. they work with denominations. Um, sometimes there are, like for example, my position, we work with a bunch of different um, colleges and universities instead of just one. Um, mm-hmm. I should specify it. NC State, North Carolina State University, in case folks are confused. Um, we well, I mean, I said that you were in Raleigh, North Carolina, so. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> they they can, folks can infer where I'm actually located and what school it is. Yeah, they may not care either. Tough to say. Yes. Exactly. Anyways, thank you for joining us. Yeah. Um, so we get to do the talk about the last Sunday before Lent starts. Um, so for those that may be unfamiliar with the church, uh, the church year, so the church year, I know we've mentioned this before, but the church year starts right after Thanksgiving with Advent. And so you have the season of Advent, which leads up to Christmas. And then you have the season of Christmas and then you have the season, um, of Epiphany. It's really called time after Epiphany. And then that kind of ends with this Sunday called Transfiguration. And then what starts the immediately, what comes after this is Ash Wednesday, which um, starts our season of Lent, uh, which ends with Jesus's death and resurrection and Easter. 
And then we have the season after Easter, and that goes all the way until Pentecost. And we've talked about Pentecost. Please go back to listen to season two episode or season one, episode five, and then the other one with Andrew Burdall. Listen to those two episodes. Um, and then we have the time of after Pentecost all the way until we get back to Advent again. That's what most of the year is. Anyways, so this is our last thing that happens before we start our time of Lent and our journey with Jesus towards the cross. We have this transfiguration moment. Um, and so I'm going to read uh, the gospel lesson. Uh, if you're a church-going person and you're planning on being at church on Sunday, February 19th, in a church that follows a revised common lectionary, you're going to hear this. Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 to 9. And I'm going to read the New Revised Standard Version updated edition. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became bright as light. Suddenly there appeared to them a Moses and Elijah, talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will set up three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they raised their eyes, they saw no one except for Jesus alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, do not tell anyone about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the gospel of the Lord. <laughs> yeah, the first thing that comes to mind or the first thing that pops up out of my head reading this right now, at least, is... Um, where are we? The bright in verse five, a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son, the beloved with him. I'm well pleased. Listen to him. That's got to be scary to have, you know, a cloud and all of a sudden this voice coming from the cloud. I think we all sort of joke around about, you know, God was speaking from the, you know, the cockpit of the airplane or from wherever, but to have you know, this happen in your life. Can't say the first reaction would be comfort and joy, but terror and right. Of course, they're terrified. Right. Uh, I always get the I always get the vibe of like this is to me. It's uh you know Mufasa speaking from the clouds to Simba, right? Like that's what. Uh, remember who you are, <laughs> um, which is also why that voice to me like that's that's the one that I personify uh, as God mm -hmm. often. Uh, it's funny you say that. That is exactly who I think of as a godlike figure is Mufasa. <laughs> and I remember thinking that in college, uh, or not college, way back in high school, that was who I thought of as God. Um, I think for a lot of people, that would be really comforting. Um, maybe people of our generation who... Yeah, right. People that grew up with that is as young kids, for sure. Um, mm -hmm. Which I'm just going to, you know, on... on the converse side though it could be a little challenging because that's the same voice of darth vader yes exactly mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um 
yeah, try not to think about it <laughs> necessarily you, in that you way. You bring up a good point with the, the disciples, though. Um, I So my joke, and I post this meme almost every year uh, for Transfiguration because I'm a church nerd, um, mm -hmm. is the one uh, from Talladega Nights of Ricky Bobby trying to do this interview in his hands. And he go keeps going, I don't know what to do with my hands. Like, to me, that's the disciples in this moment. They're like, they just like, they're so either like nervous or like oh, just try to keep it cool guys like being in the presence of all of this that they just like they don't know what to to do right and so peter's mm -hmm. like oh man i mean we could could we set you up some tents would that be helpful is that thing that we can do to be helpful for you guys that like one for each of you do you have your own tents like this is this is good thing we're here like who would set up your tents for you like this is this is our job so this is um i you know, this is, we can start a fire. Is that helpful? Do you want us to go get some food? Are we going to hang out a while? I just, do you need a little bit? Not, we can, you know, this is how I, I envision the disciples in this moment, mm -hmm. uh, you know, being in this total, like, awe of majesty of, mm -hmm. you know, these are who Jesus is, is meeting with, mm -hmm. um, which I also feel like he had to tell them who that was or else how would they know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'd be curious to hear from the disciples if they didn't know that was God, who did they think that was? The and, voice. Yeah. The voice. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, when they looked up and they saw two other people standing with Jesus, how did they know that that was Moses and Elijah? Like clearly someone had to, to tell them that because mm -hmm. um, to them, they're just staring at like two, are they ghosts? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what was their concept? And if yeah, they like, were Jesus, looking... who are you talking to? Right. Who is that person? Who is that other person? What there's they some do? yeah, there's some things that I think are not listed in the text. Like we're missing a few verses in there. And you know, mm -hmm. Jesus leaned over and whispered, Hey guys, this is Moses and Elijah. You know, like anyways. Yeah. Those yeah. are things I like to to add. Yeah, add a little bit more meat to the story. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm um these aren't really in-depth novels like uh, I need them to be sometimes yeah and it's interesting how when you get a text you put your own I mean everyone does you put your own interpretation into interpretation and background story into who you think is involved and who are the other players in that um thinking about the just the voice and the cloud in general hearing get up and do not be afraid and it's interesting to think about were they really you know I'm sure they they did get up but how are they not afraid that's I think of you know when someone's anxious or really worked up and they hear calm down right yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think in the history of calming down anyone has ever calmed down when you hear calm down it's almost like the opposite of oh yeah it makes me instantly down. angry yeah right <laughs> it's calm down, AJ. okay i'll show you calm down <laughs> don't tell me what to do don't tell me what to do exactly <laughs> see now yeah. that is particular that's verse 7.5 mm -hmm. they left that one out where the disciple right. said jesus don't tell me to calm down right <laughs> what were the Word other Right. <laughs> Background conversations that the folks were having with Jesus um, that didn't make it into the Bible text that we hear yeah. every year. Yeah. And a lot of things that, you know, may really, you know, may, may not have been very important. But I think also, you know, for us, as we continually, uh, you know, learn about Jesus and read the Gospels, I think it's 
I think most people put themselves in sort of the disciples shoes when they read mm-hmm. these different stories. And so for me to kind of hear that, if we're, if we're putting ourselves in these shoes, mm-hmm. what are these other pieces, right? Like what did that, you know, what did that look like? Mm-hmm. Just fun stuff. Yeah. But transfiguration, um, this is, uh, you know, many people are like, oh yeah, that's what professor McGonagall teaches. Um, you're very close. That's almost what happened to Jesus. They are related. Right. (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, so it's, you know, it's to be transformed, uh, to be changed. So, uh, the, the word here in Greek for transfigure is, is metamorpho, which is where we get, you know, metamorphosis and you know the mighty morphin power rangers um those are both things that uh that relate here so this is you know when we hear jesus is sort of transfigured that i don't know i feel like that's a really weird thing to say like if you're like for those of us that grew up in the church and we're used to this every sunday we're like yeah transfiguration sunday you know um but to other people they're like wait what i don't understand did jesus turn into a power ranger what uh what what's happening here? Yes. what do you mean he was transfigured what what did he turn into was it like mm-hmm. into a teacup what what are we talking here um <laughs> and so uh we get this different sort of language so this story is recorded in the synoptic gospels meaning matthew mark and luke um as we know john wrote their own story about the life of jesus that mostly has nothing to do with the other three stories um so we do have it recorded in all the synoptic gospels and both matthew and mark use this term metamorpho mm-hmm. um luke doesn't luke does not use this metamorpho does not actually use the word transfigure at all um or transform which is uh, how this word in all the other stories except here well it's only used two more times in the bible it's it's used mm-hmm. the word transform but mm-hmm. about jesus specifically both of these mm-hmm. the gospel translators wrote transfigure instead of transform mm-hmm. um my guess is to set them apart a little bit with it with it being jesus but anyways luke doesn't use that luke just mm-hmm. says his face was changed mm-hmm. which is not different right like that's mm-hmm. essentially what happened like he has changed he has transformed something about his face changed mm-hmm. um but we don't actually get told like of of what you know his mm-hmm. face was shown like the sun okay so it was really bright did did he turn into a flashlight is that what he's transfigured into like what what do we mean here that like right. or is it just like glowing like um like somebody put glow paint on his face <laughs> Could you imagine like glow in the dark makeup? That's probably totally a thing. There's Halloween, duh, AJ. Um, like, is it more like yeah. what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. I don't know. We we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, we just know that he was transformed. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably more the key takeaway, right? That we talk about Jesus's transformation in this moment. Mm-hmm. So this word metamorpho is only used two more times in the Bible in romans 12 2 which is do not conform to this world but be transformed by god and in second corinthians be transformed into the lord's own image Mm. so those are our two other instances of this same word other than that this is this is it this is it right um and so uh i i i love the relational pieces of those two you know those two uh, letters from paul kind of using the same language here of of this you know you're being transformed by god mm-hmm. 
Well, and it's um, interesting to think about. So you have the word transfigure and it's Jesus's face being changed in some way, shape or form. You know, is, did he turn into a, I was going to say a dinosaur, not a dinosaur, a, um, a Power Rangers, or I think of like the Animorphs books that my yeah. brother had, you know, growing up. But then when I think about the other texts, the only other two texts that this word is used in, I think of more of like an internal transformation. Yeah, yes. One. Um, or when, you know, you hear people say like, I was, I was changed by the sermon or I was changed by the word of God. Usually it's not like, you know, your Mr. Potato head where your eyeballs are now down by your face. It's, you know, something inside of me changed that is not a physical change that can, you know, be, be morphed or changed in some way by surgery, but a feeling or an emotion or a thought process that I thought about it, you know, a person's identity this way. And now I think about it in another way because of the gospel text or, you know, how I saw someone treating me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Just thinking about the word transformation is so fascinating. Yeah. Well, you bring up a good point. Uh, so the, the, the transform that's in Romans um, is the, the, the version of metamorpho, the verb here is one that it's, so it's it's a verb it is an active like it's an active verb but it's passive mm -hmm. meaning it's being done to the person so a more accurate translation of this is that uh you do not be conformed to this world but you are being continually transformed by god mm -hmm. that it's a continual mm -hmm. ongoing thing um, mm -hmm. that's that's in Romans uh anyways mm -hmm. but just that uh what that means that that form of the verb is you know that the what you're saying here is like you're always continually having these little transformations or like daily transformations even absolutely yeah to think of yourself and particularly in a faith lens like you as the you know five-year-old AJ is not the same as the 25-year-old AJ in your faith journey or, or your interpretation of, you know, the gospel, you didn't, I mean, yeah, most of us, I would argue, didn't even know what half of this stuff meant when you were five years old or, but it I means hope I didn't know what half. I actually, it's like, sometimes I still don't know if I think I know what half of this stuff means, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even as, you know, two people who have graduated from seminary and taken numerous yeah. Bible classes, I don't begin to understand a lot of it. And that's, you know, thankfully that's the beauty of. Do you know, I can say that might be a transformation right there to get to a point where you can say, Hey, I, you know, I know that I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. I, yes. And I that, actually think that that's an amazing place to get to in, in anyone's faith, right. To be mm -hmm. able to rely on God and to have a relationship saying, mm -hmm. you know what? I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. This is, and this is what I've experienced to be true. And this is what I believe in my relationship, but mm -hmm. I don't know. Right. Like there's no, you know, that that's an okay place to be. Absolutely. A healthy place, if anything. Yeah. One of the, a concept that was brought up to me by a friend on internship, she was at my internship congregation. She said, there's a thick faith and a thin faith. The thin mm. faith is well, I do it because the Bible told me to do it. Uh, you know, I do it because a spiritual or religious yeah. leader told me to do it. So I'm just going to almost blindly follow yeah. that path where it's a thick faith. 
from my understanding, and again, people have different interpretations of it, is I'm going to question and wrestle, and is this actually what the Bible said, or is it something else? And, you know, like you said, that's what faith faith is, is, you know, hoping and praying and relying on a being that will have your back no matter what, even when you're completely confused and scared and, um, which I would argue a lot of us are scared and confused a lot yeah. of times. And that's why we, we do go to church. I also think that there's a lot of things that people have believed because it became, I think, mainstream to assume that that's what the Bible says, like that that's what that means in the Bible, um, which may or not may not be necessarily true. It's just that idea has taken cultural root. Absolutely. Um, I'm trying to think of an example and I just, my brain is not, well, the not first thing on all cylinders. The first thing that comes to mind is when we were at Raleigh's uh, Pride Festival out Raleigh and the concept of, you know, folks identifying as LGBTQ and I, you know, wearing a collar there and a shirt that says this pastor loves you and standing in front of the, what I call sort of bullhorn evangelicals saying like, God, hates, pick whatever ugly word you want to use. And them, you know, coming up to me and saying, well, in the Bible, it says, you know, man shall not lie with man or blah, blah, blah. And um, in them saying, like, do you know the Bible? And my response is, yes, I went to seminary. And them responding again to me, well, it clearly didn't do any good. Hmm. Of course, the conversation was then ended, but it's like, it, this is an interpretation this is someone's interpretation like, Someone, actually quite the opposite I went to seminary and learned a lot more about the context and the audience and the speakers and learned what was happening in their community and learned what those the actual the actual Hebrew words there that are being used and what they meant in those contexts and why right exactly like, someone but you you can't get that across to someone who has that kind of thin faith that's mm -hmm. a really good example yeah yeah you know, someone to use our word of the day transfigured this text into different languages. You know, this contrary yeah. to a lot of, especially American belief, the Bible was not originally written in English. It was I, no the the King James version of the Bible is the original Bible. You didn't know that? I didn't know. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, um, yeah, please actually, that, if anyone's interested in learning more about the King James Bible, um, go to the episode from season one about queer theology with Pastor Chris Schaefer, and you can learn more um, about King James and the King James Bible and um, some fun queer knowledge about it. Okay. Nice little plug there. Mm -hmm, I have to. Yeah. <laughs> well, I also like, I want to, so my thing is, is for especially faithful podcast uh, listeners, I want to be able to talk about new things. I don't want to talk about the same thing all the time. Cause you know, then you're like, AJ, why the hell are we talking about the same thing every week? So right. I want to acknowledge these things, say we have talked about it and point you to where you can listen to more. Exactly. In yeah. your resources. Right. Yeah. We're going to keep building on it because we can keep doing this for seasons and seasons and seasons. And there's <laughs> so many things that are happening in the Bible that, you know, for us to unpack and to talk about that. I, I don't think we'll get bored with um, not having to repeat ourselves. No, I don't think so. Um, but this is, um yeah, I, 
this transfiguration text, um, I, I find just, just fascinating um, because I think it's, I think actually it's kind of a confusing thing. Absolutely. Um, I would and, agree. And I say that also from, I, I say that from a perspective of, of a kind of a scholarly looking at everything from like a, a, a macro lens of <laughs> where this story fits into the gospels, what's happening. Um, and then what does it tell us? Right. So everything, when we read the stories that are included about Jesus, um, cause I, I like to give it that, that like, you know, there's a lot that happened. There's so many stories and encounters that people did have of, of, you know, this person. Um, these were just the ones that they felt like writing down. And the mm -hmm. fact that it was, it was, you know, recorded three different times means that this was important. So what is it important for us to learn about Jesus? Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I actually think a key to that is in the Luke's version. So, uh, mm -hmm. the Luke version of this does give one of those, you know, seven point five detailed sentences that we don't hear in the others um mm -hmm. and it's we actually get a little context so they it says when you know he's speaking to moses and elijah we hear that they are speaking to jesus about jesus's exodus mm. aka his crucifixion um or you know his departure as an exodus is a departure or going out um that that's what they're talking to jesus about um mm -hmm. and so to me that alludes to like man, I want to learn more about this conversation. Like, did they come down? So Jesus went up there to pray in the midst of his prayers. You know, what is Jesus praying about that? These two figures who have had their, their own, you know, going out of some sort, um, to come back and are they sort of beckoning Jesus back home with them? Are they giving him words of encouragement or are they just kind of some messengers that they're telling him what he needs to do mm -hmm. yeah those, are, no, that's those are just my speculations about what this potential conversation is about mm -hmm. I think one of the best features if you will of this text is it shows Jesus's humanity which I think is often forgotten. Yes, Jesus is God made flesh, but we think of Jesus as this being that is untouchable, that doesn't have feelings or emotions or any other human-like human, human -like quality. Yeah. Um, but we see this clearly. I mean, look at verse nine, tell no one about the vision until the son of man has been raised from the dead. To me, the tell no one is the, I'm, you know, I don't want anyone to know about this. I'm, you know, I want it, this to be kept a secret. I want it to be um, either a surprise or I'm scared. Yeah. And, I, I also wonder sometimes when Jesus orders them to keep quiet, um, having more to do with the, um, the political danger that he's in, in his life. And then yeah. if these stories start to spread, it's actually uh, putting him in even graver danger of his own life. Mm -hmm. Um, but you bring up a good point that I think that we have really come to a place in Christianity where we dehumanize Jesus so mm -hmm. much um, mm -hmm. that Jesus is not allowed to have any kind of feelings. Mm -hmm. We have removed all of Jesus's feelings. He, yes. he was this object. Uh, I really think that Jesus has become this object of, mm -hmm. um, you know, sort of the scapegoat object, this, mm -hmm. um, you know, the 
the scapegoat, the what's the word? What atonement theory? Um, that this is sort of like that his entire purpose is he is just kind of this lamb for the slaughter atonement theory. I think that mm -hmm. that's become the prominent image of Jesus in Christianity, whether people can recognize or use those words or not. Right. To the point where, like, it didn't matter what he said, it didn't matter who he was, it didn't matter what he felt. Um, his family, like, there, there are parts of the Christian world that, like say jesus was an only child did you know mm -hmm. that i didn't i know i'm not and it's funny because i'm not even sure some of that like even crossed my mind well he's just he's not like the right. they talk about his siblings like it doesn't you know but it's there's just so many things that we we removed jesus so far away from being an actual like person, person. Yep. like i fully divine and incarnate person but still a person right. that would have you know mm -hmm. felt things and done stuff um to the point that like i think that we've dehumanized jesus to the point that it didn't matter who he was what he said how he felt what his interests were anything mm -hmm. that he was just a pound of flesh right well and can can you you meaning humanity even comprehend that jesus being angry or hungry or you know having emotions about family members well i'm gonna quote one of my seminary professors that said that like if if none of that stuff mattered the gospels mm -hmm. would be two chapters long mm, that's a really good point right like it's the very very end of this story at least for almost everybody except john right is this is the crucifixion and the resurrection right um yeah that most of it is his life and mm -hmm. what he did and what he said, who he hung out with, where mm -hmm. they hung out, you know, right. where he started his ministry, who he was, you know, like, if none of that stuff mattered, why they wouldn't be included. Right. You know, just like I said here with this conversation with the disciples, like who told them that was Elijah and Moses? Mm -hmm. um, clearly there was some conversation because then they're like, oh, well, we're going to be here for a while. Let's make tents. You know, like, I. so right. there clearly that part of the conversation wasn't important. They didn't think people would have questions about that. Obviously, they knew right. that that's who that was, and this was their clear response. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, like that, these things are included for a reason. Mm -hmm. But how often? And it's interesting. How often do we stop and think about that, and wrestle with that, and even yeah. begin to comprehend it? You know, probably not. I I really don't think it. You know, very often. Mm -hmm. I even think from, um, you know, so from like a pulpit standpoint, when we think about preaching, like we do often preach about the gospels. Mm -hmm. um, but I even, again, like going back to seminary, um, you know, in, if you, if you, there's this Lutheran preaching book, I don't know if you had to read it or not at, at LSTC about uh, the law and gospel, like old school, old school preaching book that there should always you know, you're oh. always pointing to the gospel. So it needs to come back to that gospel promise every time, which is, you know, this good news of, you know, the mm -hmm. death and resurrection and salvation and stuff. That's the gospel. Right. So no matter what you're preaching on, that has to be sort of the, uh, at least this is again, one particular book that I think was very commonly used in at least Lutheran seminaries for a long time that it's like, even from a pulpit standpoint, no matter, like we're always bringing it back to this one thing. Mm -hmm. It's really important. I'll say that. And what else is important in this story 
or in mm-hmm. any of the stories about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I context that is the first word that comes to mind of knowing the context of where was Jesus? What was the weather like? What, you know, yeah. buildings or structures were around? Um, I think oftentimes it's so like zoned in focused on what Jesus is or isn't doing or how he is human or not human that we forget mm-hmm. to look at everything around it. Um, yeah, lost my train of thought on that one. Uh- <laughs> no, you're right. I think that that also digs into, so this, um, you know, also why this transfiguration story could be extra alarming to the disciples, right? So like to them, they know and love and spend all of their time with the very human Jesus, mm-hmm. the person that, you know, may get a little irritated at how dirty everyone's feet are, or I'm sure he got hangry every now and then. Who doesn't? They spend <laughs> a lot of time on the road. I would get so hangry. You know, mm-hmm. so they spend all of their time with this very human Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. So then to then all of a sudden be put in this place and to to have this amazing divine event happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I could see how that could be, you know, sort of that, that, that could strike them with fear, right? To be put in the awe of the situation of reminded, you know, the exact opposite that, wow, this really human guy is not just human. There's more going on here. You yes, you took the words right out of my mouth. It's almost like I was disciples- finishing your train of thought. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> they were having almost the opposite experience of what of a lot of us today experience. If we see Jesus as this yeah. shiny, reverend, can do no wrong, God in human flesh form, but don't think of him as human. Whereas the disciples saw him hangry, saw him you know, walking with his feet in the, in the dirt and, you know, his clothes getting dirty and getting sunburned and whatever. And then all of a sudden this outer body experience Mm -hmm. happens. They don't know what to do with themselves. Um, you know, they get their socks knocked off. I don't even know if they wore socks, but you know, the metaphorical socks (laughs) (laughs) got knocked off and like, they don't know what to do with it. I wouldn't know what to do with that. I wouldn't, you know, I also think I would that still they could like potentially be hardcore fangirling right now. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, like yeah. the instant that they saw like Elijah and Moses, like those are those are their celebrities. They don't have very many. They're both there. Oh my right. gosh. Jesus knows those guys. <laughs> How can I get to know those people? How yeah. can I, you know? that you know going back to what you said of they were you know how do we you know we get the tents and we have this and we're gonna set them up a meal and da, 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 and the the nervous anxious I don't know what to do with my hands <laughs> exactly yeah. Um, but yeah it's so you know thinking about literally from this text I think it's first five the um the bright cloud overshadowed them you know, what was that like to see the cloud over them amongst all of the other, ah, you know, things going on around them? First of all, for me, clouds are dark cloud. Like, for example, our yeah. weather, is, you know, there I haven't seen the sun in a while and 
clouds well are that's dark actually and- when you had brought that up it made me think of that too it's sort of like listen if the weather changed so drastically they went from like sunny clouds all of a sudden there's a cloud like i would be scared i'm like oh my gosh is there a tornado like that's my assumption like do we need to take cover yeah the apocalypse is coming or we yeah, need to have a very real fear Yes, we need to have the tents because all of a sudden the sky is going to open and it's going to be downpouring or hailing or yeah, whatever else. Yeah. And I think it's a foreshadowing, mm-hmm. not overshadowing of what's to come. Very um, much foreshadowing, yeah. yeah. Um, And it's also kind of placing that right there in the story, like it's getting ready where they're getting ready to go into Jerusalem and, and start all that shindig, um, which is also appropriately mm-hmm. much where we place it in the church here. Um, I also think that there is uh, a reference sort of alluding to back to like why they're setting up these, these dwelling, wanting to set up these dwelling places is, you Mm -hmm. know, when Moses was on Mount Sinai, right? Like he was up there for 40 days. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think that they have, you know, they're, they're very familiar with that, right? So they have in their mindset, are we dwelling in this place with these people for a long time? Mm -hmm. Um, And so just a really practical, like, we're going to be here for a while basking in this moment. So we need to set these up. So I, I can wow. also imagine a little bit of like disappointment from the disciples when it's over so quickly, right? Like mm-hmm. um, my, uh, so one of my favorite uh, kids movies that um, I, I love and also is appropriately not super appropriate for kids um, is the road to El Dorado. Yes. Where they come in and um, they're going into, um, I believe, sort of like a, a Mayan temple situation um, in Central America. And they the, these people think that these two idiots from Spain are gods. Um, and so they assume that they're going to dwell. They're like, well, we're expecting you to stay for a thousand years. Mm -hmm. right that that's what you would do as a god in this culture is you come and dwell with your people for a while right Mm -hmm. that you dwell you live among them before you ascend um again and so um obviously not related to my own culture at all but i believe that that's what the disciples were expecting was a was a more of a dwelling and a hoping they wanted the moment to last longer they wanted to be to form yeah community and not like Mm-hmm. have the whiplash moment that they had where all of a sudden it's over and yeah, and very very different experience on top of that they can't talk about it or they've been told don't talk about it and it, it's, yeah it's this moment that they want to sit and talk about it and you know get other people's thoughts and you know, expressions on man did you see that I they just I, met I just their heroes them. they want to geek out about it right <laughs> exactly Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. I hope there was more to that conversation. Jesus was like, look, guys, listen, I need you to keep this under wraps for a while. Here's what's kind of going on. I don't really want the word to get out because I don't want people to get weird. And like, you know, I, I hope that there was more to that conversation. Yes. I Yeah, I'd like to think that there was. And, you know, this is where we get to use our imagination of what actually happened in the conversation. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, get to make up our own scenarios this has been fun thank you for uh diving into this fun topic with me today yeah absolutely thanks it's fun to talk with other theologians and pastors and to hear their thoughts and opinions on it and chat about it i agree that's why i really like doing this this is this Mm -hmm. is my fun thing that i get to chat with people about 
Um, yeah, I, so that, you know, brings me to the next thing I always like to say is, um, you know, please, please share this, um, for those of you that are listening that only listen to this purely because Pastor Kirsten was doing it and you're like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to listen to it. Um, I, I encourage you to listen to some other episodes, um, and to share this with others, uh, that this podcast can be just a nice light of, you know, bring you a little bit of Bible study or joy, a uh, ray of conversation uh, you can listen to on your commute or, or wherever um, and check us out. So I'm working on building a resource page that will lead you to other fun books and stuff like that that can help you continue your learnings um, and go to our website at 10footpolepodcast.com where you can um, kind of check that out, uh, other episodes, as well as uh, a blog and the podcast merchandise. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram to get updates with things um, and to see the newest and latest episodes and other weird random things that I feel like posting, as well as every once in a while, we're doing some Instagram giveaways, um, so fun things like that. Um, but please, um, yeah, share this, and we appreciate you joining us uh, in this ministry. And the 10 Foot Full Podcast is a ministry of the Delaware, Maryland Synod. You can learn more by going to demdsynod.org. Thanks, y'all. Take care.